Beautiful. Good morning, church. Uh, it's uh, great to have everybody here today. Missy, it's nice to have you uh, back home. Missy and Jason, me have been splitting time between here and Texas this year. Me is going to school down there, so it's always nice to have her voice back to join him. And thank you, John, for what you guys do every week. Thank you, Fellowship Center, Ryan, and you crew over there. I love to worship. The hardest thing now is I can't be in two places at one time. But one day, one day, right, in the resurrection, we'll be there. Well, what a year 2020 has been, right? I woke up this morning as I'm stumbling around my closet in the dark, still no power, trying to find my pants to put on and clothes to put on for you because you don't want to see me otherwise, right? Thank you. At least one amen. That's really good. That'd be a loud amen. Uh, I just realized I was like, man, what else, right? I mean, you know, this is the third tropical storm to come across here. At least I have a place in Gulf Shores. We've had a hurricane come across there. I'm starting to feel like Jonah. Uh, I feel like something's going on, but I'm running out of places to hide. What about you? Uh, we live in a place, as I've said before, that's not fit for human habitation. And yet we're here and we're praising God and we're helping other people. So we're either tough, dumb, spiritual, or all three. So I'm going to take it as the Lord just says, I want you to keep serving me. I want you to keep helping your neighbor and helping other people. And I think that's the way we have to view this whole thing. 2020 will be in the rear view at some point, but we're going to keep giving God praise and glory through the process, right? Now, over there in the Fellowship Center, give old Ryan a little bit of love. His canes went down last night in a, in a big thud, and so I know he's going to be a little bit down. But I hope everyone, LSU fans too, remember my two-hour rule. You don't want to be, you don't want to let 18 year old kids dictate your mood for more than two hours. Okay. So two hours after that game, whether we win or loss, you just let it go. Those of you that have raised kids, you know what I mean, right? You don't want 18 year olds determining your mood. So remember that, right? Lindley, come on up. It's Lindley Loveland. Uh, she's 14 years old. Uh, she goes to OCS. She serves in Kingdom Kids. It says here, Lindley, that you love photography, art, you play basketball, you play baseball. And you said in this upper room, we have 12 lords and only one servant. And he was right. That was the mindset. You see, there were three different mindsets that were going on in this moment. And I want to show you all three of them. The first one was the 11, 11 of the 12 disciples. They had a mindset going. We know from Luke chapter 22 that a dispute arose among the disciples as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Now think about how embarrassing that is, that they're having an argument amongst themselves about who's going to be the greatest, and then Jesus is going to get up Get down on his hands and knees and wash their feet. That's embarrassing, right? And yet that was their mindset. In the moment of the creator of the universe serving them, they were arguing about who was going to be the greatest among themselves. Quite the mindset. The twelfth disciple, who wasn't thinking about that, was thinking about betraying Jesus. Verse 2 says, the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And we'd also know later in verse 27, as soon as Judas took the bread, Jesus is revealing who he is, Satan 
entered him. That's one of the most frightening verses in the whole Bible. That a person can get to a point in their conscience and in their heart to the place where they allow Satan in. Whether that's evil spirit, I don't exactly know how he got in, but I know he was allowed in. I don't want Satan in my house. Do you? That's frightening. That's scary. Well, what about Jesus' mindset? He knew his time had come to do what he'd come to do. He was going to die a terrible death, be beaten terribly in the process, physically to endure as much as any human being could endure, but also in that moment to take on the sins of all humanity at the same time in his spirit. So he's got that going on. He knew he would die. He knew his body would be put into a tomb. His spirit would go somewhere for three days and then be reunited back with his body. He knew all this. He knew that he would be eternally glorified. That's the biblical phrase for what happened to Jesus and what's going to happen to us. And we won't know what that's going to look like till he comes back. He knew he was going to leave planet Earth by levitation. He flew out of here. I can't wait to do that. He knew that he loved these guys so deeply. And you know why? It wasn't just what they had been through. You see, Jesus existed and exists outside of time and space, as I said that before. Now he has space, still outside of time. He knew what these guys were capable of. He saw it all. He knew. He saw Peter preaching that first sermon. He saw these guys helping people find him, discipling people, messing up, but still loving him. He saw them build the foundation that was built for us to this very day. He saw all that. Still sees it. Whenever um, I speak to audiences around the country, because you know our story, but they don't. They know about a TV show. They know about a podcast. They know about other things. They don't really know how it all happened. And what I like to show people is that Jesus sees the best always, even when we're not the best, even when we're debating about how great we are among ourselves. He still sees something better. I like to show a picture from the last night we filmed the show, because most people in audiences where I go to speak are there because we had a TV show, right? I'm connecting to them because of Duck Dynasty first or Duck Commander. But I want to have have a spiritual message, obviously. I want to be able to get the gospel so they'll understand what we're really about. So show them this picture. It's a stately picture of the whole family, generational faith, the end of this mission that God gave us for a TV show. And people love that picture. They love that family. They'll tell us over and over. It's very humbling to us when somebody says, we just love your family. We love what you stand for. We love this. We love this. So I love showing them that picture because I say, yeah, that's why I'm here to hear Al. But then I show them a picture from 1972. Not so stately. Not too far from here. Family a complete mess. 
This is before we found White's Ferry Road and found Christ. But see, in this picture, God always knew the potential of what that 2017 family and now 2020 family could do. But in those, as we call them, humble beginnings, we didn't know Christ. Mom didn't know Christ. Dad didn't know Christ. Therefore, Al, Jason, Willie don't know Christ. Later, Jeff. Later, Phyllis. So I love that picture because they say, wow, they just look like a little poor family who doesn't have much. That's what they were. And the thing they were missing the most was Christ. But Jesus knew that about a year and a half later, mom would come to Christ out of desperation because of how bad things were. This happened to be the place that she was introduced to Jesus. We would flee here as a family, broken, no dad, only to have dad follow finally out of desperation. They came to Christ. We grew here. We were taught here. We were trained here. And then we had a 35-year humility training on the Washita River about working hard and getting manna day by day. You know why I think that happened, church? Because God wanted to teach this particular family that if you ever think you're a big deal and you're ever on television and you ever have a lot of people listen to you, it's not you. It's me. That was our training. Now, you got to go through it every day. It never stops. I want people to know that Jesus Christ can change anything and everything. And not only can he change it, but he can see it before you see it. So you're in the worst possible place. My family's terrible. My marriage is on the rocks. There's no way I can get through this. There's a picture waiting to be taken of what could happen when God is in control. That's what he can do. And that's what he knew in this moment. That's why he got down on his knees and said, I'm going to teach you something. You're not going to understand it, but one day you will. And you're going to do great things. You know what else he knew? He also knew what, Jesus, what was going on in Judas's heart and mind, too. He knew. He'd seen it. And you know what? He washed his feet anyway. What? Even when I have thoughts of betrayal and the worst possible things I could be thinking, he says, I'll wash your feet anyway because I love you that much. I'm sure he was heart sick over what Judas was doing and what would happen to his life. He knew he was, is, and always will be God. He knew where he came from. He knew where he was going back. And he knows what's going to happen at the end. All that is in that moment. I think Jesus had the best mindset. What about y'all? That's what he was thinking this whole time. So the character of Christ is on full display. And we see that when he did exactly what Lindley read. He took off that outer clothing. He wrapped that towel around his waist. He poured water in a basin and he began to wash their feet. He even dried them. What a moment. And it's not just the washing of the feet. People have tried to replicate this, and it's not our cultural thing. I mean, I've been in some settings where people have done it. It's, it's a moving thing. But it's about the idea about getting down on your knees to serve somebody. That was the point. 
more than just the washing of the feet. See, that's what servants do. And yet the creator and the Lord of the universe is doing it. Jesus Christ, Hebrews 13, 8, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, we'll say, well, you know, I came from humble beginnings. That's the phrase we use. But now I'm kind of a big deal. No. See, Jesus taught us something different. He came from humble beginnings, even as a human being. But he lived humbly, and he's still humble. That's what we want to do. That's what we want to pull off. Same yesterday, today, and forever. Paul would put it this way in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. You want to know how to live? I'm going to tell you how. His mindset, which we've already read about. He was in very nature God, but he did not consider it staying there. Equality with God something to be held on to. He couldn't help us from heaven. He had to become one of us and die for us to get us to heaven. That's what he did. What if I woke up every day and I thought, how can I help Lisa and myself and my children and grandchildren get to heaven? What if that was my mindset? Every time my eyes open, I'd be a pretty good husband, pretty good dad, pretty good granddad. Mindset. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made like us. And as he was one of us, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even on the cross. See, the character of Christ has always been the same before he got here, while he was here. And it's still that way. It's never changed. He does it every day for us. So the full character is on display. But something else happened in this room, which I think is very important for us. He told his disciples, basically, that you can't serve unless you're served by me. Which tells me that one can't serve without being served by Christ. As was read earlier, he's our only way. It's not going to happen with you on your own. Now, you may serve a little, but have, have you noticed how hard it is to serve even understanding Christianity and Christ and the spirit of God that lives in you? Try it without him. You'll find selfishness and pride. You won't find this. He came to Simon Peter, verse six, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Peter's always a little bit one behind step behind, right? You're standing there, got the water. Yeah. He asked the obvious question. Jesus said, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter. Well, I tell you what, he's brassy. I'll give him that. He just told the creator of the universe, no. That's a D-E-D. Don't ever do. No. You will never wash my feet. Now, we understand why he's doing it. We would probably feel the same way. I don't think I would be have enough moxie to say it out loud, but I would be thinking, I, I, Jesus, I mean, I, come on. Jesus said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. So in other words, 
you have to allow me to do what I came here to do, or you're not going to be part of what we're doing going forward. You think about that statement. That's a big one. And then so Peter's like, okay, then Lord, not just my feet, but my hands, my head as well. Just I'll take a whole bath in Jesus. Jesus said, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean. I love that. Because he knows what Peter's going to do, right? He says, you're clean. I know your heart. Though not every one of you. Well, there's one in there where Satan was already in. Scary again. And then John tells us that was Judas, of course. So later... You'll understand later. I want to read something that later Peter said in 1 Peter 5. 5. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Now we got Elder Peter, older man, been through the wars, looking at his own demise coming soon. He says, I want to tell you something. Submit yourselves to to your elders, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Sounds like what was said to him in that room, right? Because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. You ever think that older Peter wishes he could go back and just slap that young guy in the face? I know I've been there and done that. The last thing that we learn from this text in verse 12 is... If we have to be served by Christ to serve others, then we should be ones who pay that forward. Right? Have you ever thought that you could pay back any of the gifts that God has given you? Have you ever thought that way? You can't pay it back. One, there's, you don't have anything big enough to offer. The cleansing of sins, the washing of your heart, the, the deposit of the Holy Spirit... To get your body out of the ground? How do you pay that back? Some people say, well, you know, I'm going to submit to Christ now and follow him so I can start paying him back for the rest of my life. That's not the way this works. There is no paying back. It's a gift. Therefore, there's only one way to pay. What is it? Forward. Forward. That, that's what we do. We help other people see that and know that. And we cut trees off of houses and we give people hope and we pray with them and we sit with them when they're dying and we say heaven is going to be awesome that's what we do that's what we pay forward jesus said in verse 12 after he'd finished washing their feet he puts on his clothes he returns to his place he said do you understand what i've done for you you know the answer to that question no not then but they would Eleven out of these twelve men built the foundation that made it possible for us to be in Christ today. These are great men. They got it. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. You notice he said, he didn't say wash feet, he said one another's feet. Ten minutes ago, you're griping and complaining about who's going to be the best among you. Now he's saying, wash each other's feet. In other words, serve. And start with this group. And keep serving. 
I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. No servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed. And here it comes. Here's the word. If you do them. Anytime you see the word if in the New Testament, then that's your action call. Because you have to make a decision. Am I going to do this or not? If. That puts the ball in your court and in my court. I want to read you one more from later Peter because he got it. 1 Peter 4, verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. A lot of gifts here. A lot of gifts out there. Use it to serve. I love this phrase. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Faithful stewards. You can't change grace. You can't do anything about grace, but you can sure steward the grace that God has given you. And you can extend it to other people. That's what a steward does. They manage the blessing and the gift of God. Stewards. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. He's speaking to me. That's what I'm doing this morning. I'm speaking on his behalf. Now, if I mess something up, that's on me. Because the Holy Spirit's message is pure and perfect. And that's what I'm trying to do. Let him speak. I'm just the messenger. And I'm certainly not greater than the one who sends the message. It took me a long time to learn that, folks. When I was first sitting down there on that same pew as a 25-year-old man, I was scared to death. And I thought, man, Al, you got to have the right illustrations. you got to tell the right stories. you got to get that text just right. you got to, you got to, you got to, you got to. Through the years, I realized it was never about me. I am but a conduit for the Holy Spirit. It's his message. All I can do is get in the way of it. You say, well, yeah, that's what you do. You get jugglers up here. And all. Yeah, that's me. That, that part's on me. But when the Holy Spirit is speaking through his word and truth, that's his message. So if you speak, do it with grace. If anyone serves, and we all can, right? They should do so with the strength that God provides. Here it is. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Every service that we perform is for the glory of Christ and the glory of God. That's your motivation. To him be the glory, the power forever and ever. Amen. And the church says, amen to that. Come on up, John, in the praise in the praise group in the fellowship. So if you'll go up. So what's our takeaway from today? Other than we serve an amazing God who will get down on his knees and wash your feet because he loves you. Well, we know we must follow his example by loving, serving, and giving. Because he wasn't just teaching those guys, those 11 guys in the room that night. He was teaching us too. See, he sees all this. He saw 2020 before the creation of the world. It's almost like, say, wait till 2020. Boy, these folks are going to really see something that year. 
He said later, greater love has no one than to lay down their life for someone else. That's what he told his disciples. Do you realize that 99.99% of the time you will never have that opportunity while you walk this earth to literally give your physical life, which is what he did. But that 100% of the time you have the opportunity to give your spiritual life for someone else. If you're married, it starts with the person laying next to you when you wake up in the morning or the kiddos down the hall. And then it just builds every day with everywhere you go. The work, the convenience store, whatever it is you do, you have an opportunity to lay down your life. The question is this morning, if you're not doing that, why? If you're on the wrong side of the if, the question is, why? If you have the Holy Spirit of God in you and you're not quenching him, and quenching his fire in you, you should be the greatest servants the world has ever known. And I challenge you this morning to be just that. Our God and Savior not only gave his life for us, but he showed us what we must do. And I encourage you to do that. There's something that's holding you back from serving Christ and serving other people. We want to give you an opportunity today to give that to him. If it's a prayer of saying I'm holding on to some sin, some burden, some past thing that's hurt my life, let's give that up to him. And let's walk out of the room saying, who can I help today? That's the challenge of this text. If you have any of those needs, we're going to give you an opportunity this morning in these physical places, but also out there in computer land, as Dad says, to just give it up to him this morning. And don't hold on any longer. Why don't you do that while we stand and while we sing?